With so many Ohioans cooped up while we wait out the COVID-19 coronavirus and do our part to lessen community spread, those with kids are probably getting a lot of questions. Schools are closed and daycare centers are likely to follow soon. So to put it mildly, normal routines have been disrupted. We're all pretty anxious, even scared, so it's understandable that kids are scared too. So how should you talk to your kids about the COVID-19 coronavirus? This is Prognosis Ohio, a WCBE healthcare podcast. I am Ohio University health policy professor, Dan Skinner. I hope you're all taking care and doing the best you can during this really extraordinary moment in our history. I have to be honest, my anxiety level is sky high. It's really incredible our state has responded aggressively to mitigate the spread of the virus, but it's clear that we're just on the early side of a steep curve, with predictions that it will likely peak in either April or May. That's a lot of weeks. We're doing what we can here to keep the conversation going, to get good information out, and to push back at stuff that's not true. I hope you'll reach out if there's anything we can do, especially if there are resources you're looking for. In the meantime, I recently came across a post on the Nationwide Children's Hospital website written by a pediatric psychologist, Dr. Nicole Dempster, which offered some concrete advice for talking with kids about the coronavirus. Specifically, Dr. Dempster explains how to help kids deal with school closings and canceled plans, though the post also offers some more general advice as well. We'll be linking in the show notes to that post as well as other information that Nationwide Children's has been putting out, but I also thought it would be helpful to talk with Dr. Dempster to expand a little bit on her original post. I hope that listeners find it useful. Dr. Nicole Dempster is a licensed pediatric psychologist at Nationwide Children's Hospital and an assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics at Ohio State University. A Michigan native, Dr. Dempster received her PhD from Kent State. She specializes in helping children and their families cope with chronic illness. Dr. Nicole Dempster, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me. I think this is a really important issue, so I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, I want to start with a really general question. Um, I've spent some time at the Children's Hospital. I have many colleagues and um, there and uh, a lot of respect for the place. I guess I just want to ask you, how, how are things at Nationwide Children's Hospital? How are people doing um, at the what appears to be the front end of uh, this epidemic? Yeah, I think people are doing okay from what I can tell. But just like the general public, we are still watching the news every day. And I feel like we're learning at the same time as everyone. We don't seem to have any heads up knowledge. Yeah, you're kind of learning just like everybody else is. I mean, even the top epidemiologists in the world are... That's that's what it means to be a novel virus, right? We're really just trying to figure out what this thing is. Yeah, from nurses all the way to doctors and surgeons, we all have the same concerns with days off and childcare. So I reached out to you um, originally because you wrote this piece that's posted on the Nationwide Children's website, which we're going to be linking to in our show notes as well, uh, really about just some advice for parents in talking with their kids about uh, this this COVID-19 and kind of how to help them through this. Um, You know, you talk about, for example, you know, giving advice to parents to think about their reactions to things. And the, and I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what's your overall take on what parents should be thinking about as they talk with their kids, especially at this time where a lot of parents are spending a lot more time with their kids and there's, you know, this media climate around them. Yeah. And so I think there's having media around to make sure we are staying up to date and being careful about things, but also not having it on all day long and feeling glued to the television because that just sends a message to our kids that we're more worried than maybe we're saying. 
Right. Yeah. We're reacting or we're waiting for the next big, um, you know, shoe to drop or mm-hmm. something like that. So what are some, you know, you talk about basic facts um, when talking with kids, um, giving kids some basic facts, but not focusing on, you know, the scarier information or dramatizing it um, or, you know, big scary statistics. But which facts do you think actually are pertinent to talking with kids? I think telling children, very matter-of-factly, there is a virus, we're still figuring it out, and I'm staying as up-to-date as possible. Here are the things we're doing to stay safe. The school sent us home, we're washing our hands, and we're sanitizing things. So really focusing on the true information and then what we're doing to keep us safe. That's what helps children feel better is knowing that we're part of the process. You know, of course, you know, I I picked up my child uh, from daycare last week and in the car, he told me that a, a friend had explained uh, the coronavirus to him on the playground, and I was immediately alarmed. I said, "Well, wh- what did you learn?" You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's important too that they are getting information and inputs from others as well. So I've learned to at least try to keep a little bit in touch with what what other kinds of inputs he's having. Yeah, I think that's really important. Us as adults tend to explain a lot to kids. We explain things, we explain it again, and then we might say, do you understand? And they say, yes, but I'm not exactly sure what they've understood. So opening it up just like you did with your son, well, tell me what you did here. That lets you catch all of those things that might have been misconstrued. It's also quite fascinating to find out what four and five-year-olds are saying and how they're processing an epidemic. It's a whole different perspective. Yeah, and I find the school age and teenager children are processing it through memes. Through memes. Uh, that's amazing. Well, maybe we'll all go looking for some of those memes and I'll try to um, post some to the show notes as a critical adventure for people who are interested in this. Yeah, I think kids um, are trying to make jokes because they get something's happening, but they're not sure how to express what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, um, you can't dismiss humor as a coping strategy. I mean, there's a lot of serious things going on, but also uh, we, we need to keep that intact as well, I think. It's true. This is a really teachable moment for us as parents to show how we deal with something hard and still preserve ourselves. So, I, you know, one question that came up for me, and here we are, Uh, increasingly kind of staying in, trying to practice uh, social distancing from others, as they call it. Um, You know, and there's so much fear out there, including, unfortunately, a lot of xenophobia that our public health departments are experiencing and Mm -hmm. and, and being able to report. Um, We obviously don't want to confuse this public health moment with the generalized fear of others. And I wonder what kind of advice you have for how parents might think about uh, this this phenomenon of social distancing, talking about their friends, um, close contact, distance, and how you navigate that, not just in the short term, but like what long-term effects that might have. I think as long as we present it as unilateral and we're treating everybody the same and not making any different distinctions, kids will take that a long way, showing that we're being really thoughtful and we're being really kind to everyone. If we have extra toilet paper, maybe giving some to our neighbors to show that we're joining together while also distancing at the same time. Yeah, I was at the supermarket the other day, and of course, there's a lot of talk about um, hoarding and toilet paper for some reason being, you know, yes. <laughs> I've never seen so much toilet paper talk in, in the media. But I was actually, you know, despite the the, the predictable 
freak out. Actually, I think civil society is holding pretty well. People seem to be treating each other generally pretty well and calling out those who are doing the things that we find um, distasteful. I really have found that to be the same. I have heard of a lot of people helping each other out with daycare, picking up kids so people could get different hours in or get to the grocery store. And I think that's just important to make really explicit to our kids, saying it out loud so they hear our thought processes so that way they can use that later in life. So how about all this hand washing and the anti-handshaking talk? And you know, again to the long-term consequences. I mean, on the one hand, it's it's a real opportunity to get kids to think about hygiene and not just kids. I mean, I have to say I, I've seen you know, people <laughs> talking about they should have been washing their hands all along. I mean, in a way, we're getting a lesson in something that we should have been doing, but with increased vigilance. Um but there could also be some unintended consequences if you become obsessive about those things or you overdo it. And I, and I guess um, I, I wonder from your perspective as a psychologist, how do we walk that line? Absolutely. I think the key to life is really moderation. So we're really going to push the hand washing. But if you catch your child who forgets to wipe something down before they touch it, if we react really strongly with a big gasp or a, a freak out and really quick run over, they're going to realize that we're more worried than we're saying. So it's more matter of fact in how we present it. That's okay. Let's do it next time. As a professional, is there something else that we've missed that you really want to make sure parents know, and not just parents, but people in our society when interacting with children around these issues? Sure. I think one of the things I've noticed the longer I've been in practice is we often say to kids, don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's for mom and dad to worry about. But that doesn't really help them figure out what to do. And so again, going back to saying, tell me what you're thinking and what's going to help us get better, focusing on what's happening in that coping skill, that really validates what a kid is going through and makes them feel part of it. Yeah. So that you're kind of validating my strategy, which is um, getting my five-year-old excited to help me clean the basement for a few days is uh, something we can do together and kind of ride out a few days because we are really looking for things to do when we're in close quarters with one another. Absolutely. And I think finding different ways to make it fun, like a checklist throughout the day or a bingo board to find things around the house or a reading challenge is important. Because if we really want to know what's bothering the kids, it's that life is changing, that they're missing out on their sports practices or their band rehearsals. Or also just, you know, we're big hockey fans in our house and oh. the, end, the end of the NHL season. I mean, you know, obviously they did the exact right thing, but from a sort of practical perspective, there's one thing missing all of a sudden that lots of kids were looking forward to. I know that's happening around the state. Just explaining to kids why something got canceled, but not in a way that's going to, um, you know, really upset them, but that's just going to be able to be part of the, the longer conversation. Yeah, that we're all unifying and joining forces to do the best for everybody. I think it's a wonderful message to send to our children. Well, uh, Dr. Dempster, thanks so much for writing this piece. We're going to share it with as many people as we can. And I appreciate you taking some time on a Saturday morning to get the word out there through our, our podcast here. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. You can find show notes for this episode on WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org. This week's notes contain links to Dr. Dempster's posting, as well as other information about talking with kids about COVID-19. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @prognosisohio, especially for tweets and retweets we're putting out with the latest information from state public health and other officials. As always, we encourage you to email us your suggestions and your feedback at prognosisohio@gmail.com. At Thanks for listening to Prognosis Ohio, and please be well.